Hi, so here we go. Welcome to Workshop Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and today joining me is the master trash smith himself, Mr. Bryce the Waffle Beaver. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate the pre-show chat that we've had so far and, and getting into it. Yeah. Obviously, you can see, and those of you who are on who are on the Patreon will be able to see the video. I'm sitting in my truck because we're on the road, and... Uh, and Bryce is sitting in a very white room. <laughs> yeah, but, unfortunately, but, it's uh, like a, it's mostly from the. I have what is it called? Um, they're not lights. That's just the sun coming through my house. We have one of those. Oh, skylights. Yeah, skylights. Well, it gives you a beautiful glow and backlight. <laughs> you know, thanks. So it really highlights your the the shadows of your eyes. I got a haircut. So the reason too. that I want wanted to have you on the converse, or on on the podcast here today, we were talking on. Uh, the Instagram chat stuff, you brought up an interesting thing about motivation. And you you, you mentioned uh, eudaimonic values. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure. I say I say eudaimonic. I, you, I heard a lot of people say it differently. I'm probably wrong. I, I'm probably wrong too, because I don't think I've ever actually heard anybody use it in a conversation. So here's the, uh, here's the official word spoken word it's eudaimonic values so if you want to if you want to give a quick rundown and explain that to people yeah so i'm not sure if i can explain it well i'm not looking up anything right now but i just think of it as kind of like your long-term virtuous goals um and i kind of like to tell people about it in reference to hedonism or like hedonic goals because most of us are familiar with the term of jumping on the hedonic treadmill you know, keeping up with the Joneses and that type of motivation. And that's what I grew up with knowing and understanding. And, uh, it wasn't until a few years ago, I think I read like a, a Twitter thread from this guy, Sahil Bloom, and he mentioned eudaimonism. And that's where I kind of went down that rabbit hole of like, oh, wow. Like Aristotle kind of thought of eudaimonism and hedonism at the same time. And they're not opposites. They're kind of together. And a lot of people mistake, like, I think a lot of people mistaken hedonism as bad in some way, but it's all part of like your motivational goals. And when you're in high school and, and you're trying to get good grades to go to college so you can get a good job, those are somewhat hedonic goals. They're, it seems like a long-term when you're, you know, 13 years old in high school, but after you graduate from college or graduate from high school, they really become things that you accomplish and it's, it's, it's over, it's done. And so a eudaimonic goal would be something more like, well, what are you working towards that's meaningful to you? To you? And uh, I hope I didn't get too much off the topic talking about hedonism, but I think of uh, it as like the long-term life goal that I've I really only concentrated on and really thought of kind of a few years ago. And I think a lot of it was coming from Clubhouse, like talking to club, to people in Clubhouse a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that's the that's the thing. You talk to a lot of people, and and uh, like my my brother, I have a brother who's a really good example of of not having a long term goal. It's not that he hasn't been successful, but he's fifty years old. He's a grandparent at this point, and he still says, "I don't know what I want to be when I grow up." <laughs> right, and yeah. and and it's it's not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily that that I don't know what I want to be. As much as, like you said, it's your it's your purpose, your motivation, your 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 driving force, I guess, behind the decisions that you make. And if you're if you don't have that in place, then you're 
you tend to get kind of pushed around by the wind, right? Like any, any whim that comes along and you, you go, oh, let's chase that. And then you go off and you go chase the other thing. Is that, is that kind of how, yeah, I mean, how I, you mean I think it? Of it? I think of it like um, a lot of people get stuck into having to pay a mortgage or like living out of their means because they think, well, if I get this house, then that'll solve all our problems. Um, and that's not necessarily true. You get the house, you have a mortgage to pay and you have to maintain it. The, the real only solution is if you own it in right and you still have to pay property taxes. So there's all these levels of like, like the hedonic level doesn't ever go away. It's like you get one thing, you still have other things to do. And um, I think eudaimonic, you really have to focus on figuring out what can you do that you, what are you willing to work towards and work on that will never, most likely not ever get accomplished, but it's worth it anyways to try. It's like the, uh, like the old man that plants the maple tree sort of thing. Is that more where you're going? What you I've mean? never heard that one. Is that a Canadian thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, well, when's the, when's the best time to plant a tree, right? Like you want to, if you want to plant a fruit tree, when's the best time to plant the tree? Oh yeah. It was 20, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. The next best time is to do it now. And so with, with maple trees, and maybe this is a Canadianism, I guess, um, <laughs> a maple tree before you can, before you can tap it for maple syrup, you have to, it has to be at least six inches in diameter and preferably like 10 to 12 inches in order to, to withstand being tapped every year. Otherwise, it's too much stress on the tree. And so that takes 20, 30, 40 years for a maple tree to be at a point where it's a sustainable producer. And and so the 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 old man who plants the, plants the apple tree or who plants the maple tree or who plants the fruit tree of any sort, he has no expectation of this will be something that's a benefit to me. It has benefit to the future generation who takes over that place. Um, does that kind of factor in that as well? Yeah, I, I think so. But it's really more just about what are you, because that's kind of like a, to, to me, that's like an instant thing. Like you, you plant a tree, you don't have to do anything else, but it has to be more like a constant work, something that you're working towards. And, you know, us as people who make things, we're always, we always, I, I think we go through phases, right? As far as like hobbyists, I'm, I still consider myself very much more on the hobby spectrum than professional. Uh -huh. And you're always trying to get better at making things and if you're just making like cutting boards you want to step up to something else maybe you want to make a chair or you want to make desk or you want to make a, a dining room table and every time you step up it's it's a thing but what happens if you are able to do everything you have all the tools and you have all the abilities what what happens after that like what do you really want to do after that and i think you have to be thinking about like what's the important part of it for you and a lot of times it's just a matter of people like to do that because it's part of their stress relief and that's their hobby and i think for a while making things especially on the lathe it's you know you get into full state it's very much like that but i really took a like a, a deep look at everything that i've done in my career and what i liked and didn't like and realized like i want to try and make something or work towards something building things that's uh going to be worth pursuing and that's actually building things from trash and trying to my overlying goal was to try to reduce um landfill waste by using trash as a medium to make beautiful things and to me that seems impossible still even though i'm trying to do this all the time it still feels impossible but to me it's something that's worth pursuing because it just doesn't make sense to me to not do it
Yeah, well, that, that that actually kind of factors into why I make stuff too. I mean, I'm not a I'm not an avid recyclist like you, <laughs> or or trash smith. But one of the reasons that I make furniture when I make furniture, especially for myself, is is I can't buy something that's as high a quality as I can make. And, and I don't want my stuff to end up in the landfill. Like I, I want my great grandchildren to use the stuff that I make. And, and part of it is that, is that environmental footprint is I understand that even if I use an exotic species from, from Africa or, or wherever, it's, it's still going to be in something that is usable and repairable for, for generations to come. Like I, when I build something, I specifically build it with the idea of, of I want to be able to repair this, or it should be able to be repaired if it ever does break. Oh, so you're a user of hide glue as well? <laughs> no, I don't like hide glue. <laughs> um, well, I, I take that back. I, I where there is where there's um, I, I I use both. I, I do use hide glue. I do use use. Um, have you ever actually tried to reverse hide glue though? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because like yeah. I, I started using it on my wedges, like for the oh, oh do you? Yeah, yeah. And it's actually really easy to reverse. Uh, it's really, yeah. Every time I've tried to reverse it, it's been a nightmare. So it's like, <laughs> you just, it's just steam, right? You just put like for me, I just boiled water and then put this thing over, and it just like, I was able to kind of like pry it off easy. Hmm. Maybe maybe like the tight bond hide glue isn't quite as uh, user friendly. You know, it's colder where you are here in Hawaii. It's that like the air is already humid. It's already hot. <laughs> that's that's probably the. The, the problem is probably not the humidity then. It's the fact that your climate has already wrecked the joint. <laughs> okay. That's no. Anyway. Yeah. So, so that's one of the motivations behind why you do the recycling plastic stuff is just like the long-term reducing, re- reducing the landfill waste and, and not being a producer of garbage to the same extent. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of it is because. Like I see precious plastics and I see other people recycling plastic as well. And for the most part, it's very rare that I see something that's like very useful for the long term. A lot of things that are being recycled are actually, I think the most common is actually like the, the beer can caddy, like the beer can holders. Like the, a lot of that is actually recycled plastic now, but you know, you still have to like recycle it after and it, it's a consumable thing. And yeah, it, it gets recycled <laughs> once and then gets turned into garbage again anyway. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that we can find like a final place for it. You know, like a final. To to me, I think our our use of plastic over the past hundred years, um, it should be a temporary thing, and we should see, just like the way we've seen uh, different types of wood have an era in the history. I'm hoping that we'll find ways to incorporate recycled plastic so it becomes an era of history because we we have the technology to like we're already starting to use more bio biodegradable type of corn-based plastics. And I'm hoping that we'll find a place for all the plastic that we have now so that it can be permanently useful in the state that it's in. And that's what I'm kind of looking for in, in terms of recycling plastic. And I, it's funny because I think when I first made a mallet, I was like, oh, that's dumb. Everybody's making stupid mallets anyways. <laughs> well, that's actually one of the things that I appreciate about the way you're using plastic because like, I, like there's... I see a lot, no, I guess not a lot, but most of the time when you see like recycled plastic, it's a, it's a, an attachment to something, right? Like it's, 
oh, I'm, I'm using this as a decoration or I'm using this as a, as an accent or something like that. Or like I've seen, I'm sure you've probably seen like the art type of thing, art installations where people are making a statement about, about recycling. Are they coming for you? Do you need to run? No, I think uh, I just live on a kind of like near a busy street. So sorry. <laughs> ah, so, so the police weren't coming for you. No, <laughs> but anyway, that's like, like you've seen the art installation type of things where it's like a pile of garbage or whatever. And it's a statement against man's wastefulness and blah, blah, blah. And while I can appreciate the sentiment of the art, it's still a pile of garbage <laughs> yeah. where, whereas, whereas you, when you're making something like it, it becomes a functional thing. And for the most part, it will probably last for as long as it needs to last. Right. Or, or yeah. longer than the person who owns it. And then like you're. When did, you, when did you make those stools? That wasn't too long ago, was it? You finished uh, up the... It's been about, like, I, I made a, I don't know if you know Ben from Condit Rules Creations, but I made a set yeah. with Ben, and that's like a, about a year and a half ago, and then I made another set uh, just recently because I have too much polypropylene. Um, <laughs> but, like, it like I even that, I think it's okay, but I, I don't think it's comfortable enough. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I have to rethink that. It needs to be comfortable to use, you know? Well, what you, what you need to do is get yourself like some uh, like some heat resistant pants or like some bunker gear, <laughs> something like that. Get it nice and hot and malleable and sit on it for a few minutes, kind of mold in there, and then you could do a be customized chairs for people, right? Oh yeah, I'm I'm still for some reason I got really obsessed with chair making, and I'm I'm like on a quest right now to figure out how to make a like a stick chair. So <laughs> that's another that weird that obsession. could be cool actually. Yeah. Like to, because you could do the, like the, the crest rail and the, and the curved arms and everything all out of plastic. And that would be so much, like, it'd be interesting. Yeah. It'll look unique. Um, but the, getting that shape and everything, that'll be a little difficult to uh, figure out because I don't have like a pie enough to mount everything. So I'll have to do it in sections. And so it, it'll be difficult just either way, but I've, I've, it's going on in my head. It's this is the crazy stuff that goes in goes on in here well that's okay so it's, it's the crazy people who make a difference right that's the thing um that, that's what apple told me <laughs> why uh uh my brain's drawing a blank here what i was gonna ask oh um how much loss do you have if you're reusing a piece that you've already used like if you were to like i, I can build a i can build a table out of wood and then i can rip apart that table and have a new table but it's going to be smaller because of the loss. Is there is there a significant amount of loss with with plastic? Because you're, I mean, all of the waste from the tooling you can technically collect and melt that down and reuse that too, right? Yeah, and, and actually, like the lathe stuff, the stuff I get off of the lathe is some of the best stuff because it's already so thin. So I can kind of really decrease the air bubbles and everything. But um, I'm trying not to do that because it's just so messy and I lose some, you know, just from like the wind blowing or something, it, it gets lost and it ends up with the trash, trash dust. Like I have a separate vacuum that I use just to clean up my recycled plastic. And I'm not sure exactly how much that is, but that's where all the losses were. Theoretically, you don't lose anything if you melt it at the right temperature. So what is going down the making route then beyond the motivation? What, what is the, what's the recipe for melting? Like HDPE is what you use mostly, right? Yeah, it's like a, so I use like an induction hot plate with the Dutch oven that I, I bought used. And I just put the, right now I'm using a mold 
that's about 300 grams of recycled plastic. And that's like, seems to be the right amount for that. That seems to be a, a manageable amount. So it's like a, a 20 minute heat cycle where I'm constantly taking it and, and twisting it. And it kind of gives a really good melt. Whereas this is bigger. This is about a 500 grams and it takes about an hour to get like a good, a really good, uh, melt. So it's not like a linear progression and it took a lot of experimentation to, to get there. So have you, have you produced a video about the way you do it yet or no? Not, not I don't remember anyway. seeing one. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to, how to do that too, because like, uh, I guess not too much people, I don't know, no offense, but maybe it might be more popular by the time this comes out. But if, when your podcast blows up, uh, maybe my website will be up. I, I just opened up like a, a little hobby, hobby online e-commerce store where I'm selling okay. these, um, these mallets and I'm trying to figure out all the kinks right now of e-commerce stuff. So I'm terrible at it right now. Yeah. You and me both. It's difficult to also tell the story that I'm trying to tell because a, a big part of what I'm trying to do is say like the, the mallet, it is a useful mallet. Like I like it a lot and, but it has its applications. Like you're not going to use this like a sledgehammer. Um, but it's, it's, uh, this is a third life piece of wood, you know, it's first life for the tree. It's second life was a baseboard. And then I took it, cleaned off the glue and the finished nails and turned it to a handle. The plastic is second life plastic. And what I want people to think about is when they buy this product is, Hey, this is just part of the story. Like what's the life that you're going to give it? It starts a new story with you. And I hope that that resonates with some people to want to have a mallet that's going to continue on. Well, it does. Although that's technically third life plastic as well, right? <laughs> it was a dinosaur at one point. Well, a dinosaur or something living or in a that. plant. Yeah. Plant or dinosaur. Yeah. Well, I guess most likely a plant, but <laughs> bioorganic material from millions of years ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. who knows? Maybe they recycled it back then too. You know, it could be like a infinite life plastic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's the, what's the statistic is like. I forget the exact statistic, but it's like you're likely every other breath or something like that to have, or every other drink something to have drank something that has been through somebody else at some <laughs> oh, point yeah. in history. Yeah. It makes me think of like, uh, you know, in Frozen, well, you have kids, so you know, Frozen, like how water has memory. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, I wonder how much, uh, how much Olaf has been through people. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to go to, uh, um, Waterworld. Oh, <laughs> did you ever watch that? Uh, I've only seen it in parts. That's a kind of a, a weird movie. I don't think the Hawaii film industry is too proud of that one. Dad, hands down, <laughs> one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen in my life. But uh, the, the, I think the part that confused me most was what I thought you were going to bring up. Um, is like Kevin Costner is is peeing into a cup and then runs it through his water recycler to drink, right? And, and meanwhile, it's like, are you telling me? that you're surrounded by water and yet your urine is easier to purify than the ocean. Like, well, yeah, we don't really have a fresh, we don't really have a fresh water problem. We have a energy problem, right? Cause you can, uh, you can just distill yeah. salt water. Have you ever been to Lake Superior at all? The Great Lakes? No, I've never been to like that part of the, part of the country. Yeah. Well, we just, a couple days ago is when we were at, at Lake Superior. And that one single lake has 10% of the world's fresh water supply in it. Ah, that can't be true. No, that's, that's <laughs> what the signs say. It's, it's insane. Well, it's an insanely big lake. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's mine. It's an ocean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't see the shore on the other side. Like it's 200 and at its widest, it's like 273 kilometers or something like that. So that's, was that? That's like a hundred and, yeah, that's like 160 miles or something like that. I mean, I've been to Chicago and been on the coast over there, but that's not Lake Superior, right? That's like Lake Michigan or is that? Oh, sure. yeah. I think Chicago's on Lake Michigan. Yeah. No, I mean, that's huge. Anyway, that's totally uh, off topic. Yes, environmental. That's <laughs> we're talking about environment. Oh, we're, we're supposed anyway. to be talking about unionism, uh, eudaimonicism. That's not a word. I don't think. <laughs> well, I think it all ties in, though, right? Because because you're it, it goes back to it goes back to why does the old man plant the tree? Why does why does the old uh, Bryce grind up the plastic? It's not because you want to uh, destroy the planet. It's because you want to. You want to lost remove that from the waste. Hopefully, I'm assuming that's because you're trying to protect the environment for your your posterity in the future too, right? Like, isn't that is that part of that motivation as well? Like, you have you have a kid, and I'm assuming that you don't want them to grow up in a in a world absent of trees and life, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's I I don't even think it's necessarily just for the future of my kid. It's it's just the to, to me, it just makes no sense that we have all these materials and we just like decide to put it all in a landfill. Like it, it, it costs so much to have these things and we forget about it once we stop using it. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to figure out is like, like how does it make sense that we, like our human habit went that way versus the other way of treating materials to be reused and to, to be used more usefully throughout their lifespan instead of like leaving it in a pile so that hopefully someone later will figure out how to make it useful later. Like, I don't, I don't know. It just, that part doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think you kind of know that I'm a bit of a, I want to say, I want to kind of preface this, like I was a big Tesla investor. And when I hear about, heard Elon talk about, um, like why we should go electric it it made sense to me that he had like a really good argument and you know i'm not like a huge elon musk fan now because he's kind of like crazy <laughs> but i do appreciate uh what he's done for my for my thinking at least and what he was saying about energy is it's like we're gonna run out of fuel like uh, like oil we're gonna re run out of something eventually like we just know that there's a finite amount like there's and he's saying there's probably like you know hundred or 200 years left more, but we're going to have to figure out that problem. Why not accelerate the, that process of going to a new solution? And to me, that made sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, despite the fact that I'm sitting in a 6.2 liter gas truck, <laughs> um, I there, but there is, um, the thing is, is there's a use case, you know, in, in my mind anyway, there's a use case for everything. If, if you're going to waste something recklessly instead of trying to preserve it and conserve it for as long as possible, then you don't really deserve to have that thing. And that's where, like, I appreciate, like, you're making the mallets and stuff like that because the, the, you are giving that, that essential garbage another life and potentially a life that's going to last, hopefully, forever. Uh, eventually, they're going to end up on the grandkids' wall. This is Grandpa's mallet, you know, <laughs> and it'll be an art piece, but but it's still not in the garbage and it's, it's can, like you said, that story is still continuing and it's still evolving. But, yeah. I mean, I have, okay. 
I don't have any of my grandpa's tools because he didn't really have any, but I have my wife's grandpa's ball peen mount, uh, ball peen hammer. And it's tiny. It's like the smallest ball peen hammer I've ever seen, but it's like so cool. Like I, I love having that little ball peen hammer and my wife's family loves that I have it too and that I use it. And that's one of the things that, uh, my son getting into blacksmithing a little bit and, and we're trying to get my wife's grandfather's blacksmithing tools, but, but my father-in-law is, yeah, just not, you know, well, I might use them. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're missing half your foot, dude. And you can't walk. You're not going to be using these tools. Why don't you give them to your grandson who wants to use them? And, and, you know, but anyway, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Well, we should wrap it up here because you have to go rescue your child at some point, don't you? I have about an hour left. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, well, let's, let's leave it here though. And we'll, uh, go on to the after show and we'll have a bit of a conversation there. Oh, well, before that, I kind of want to ask, I kind of want to ask you a question. Oh, go ahead. Because you, because we're speaking about, uh, eudaimonic values. I was wondering like, what, uh, can you sum up your eudaimonic, uh, intent with this podcast and everything that you're doing? (laughs) Ah, good question. I think the intent of the podcast is to normalize conversations that pertain to makers like this, this hasn't particularly been a, like a mental health therapy type of thing. This, this conversation anyway, I I mean, I guess it does to some extent because you know, your motivation is if you have a motivation, you're more likely to be mentally healthy, but it's to normalize conversations that involve mental health and, and motivations for people that don't necessarily come out in normal conversation. Because I think the more people that we talk to in a, in, in one-on-one conversations like this and, and in conversations with people on the street, the more we're going to discover that we're all pretty closely aligned. You know, I think a lot of the world's problems come from a lack of communication and, you know, like most people want their children to be better off than, than they were, right? They're, they want to be happy, they want to be healthy, and they want to be left alone. Uh, would, would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, that's common. <laughs> yeah, and, and yet... It should be common. It should be common. And, and yet, for some reason, the discourse, the, the discourse that's going on in, in the world, on social media, politically, on the media, whatever, is, unless you agree with me 100%, you're my enemy. Is, is how discourse is going these days. And I think as more people talk about things that aren't just their little niche on the internet, the more people will realize that, hey, yeah, you know, he has a valid point on the recycling the plastic. Normally, I drive my lifted diesel pickup truck with the truck balls hanging on the back and I roll coal on every Prius I've, I see. You know, and maybe that's just a total redneck Albertan Canadian thing, but you've probably seen that in Hawaii too, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, I've seen it in San Diego, like a uh, coal roll, where like they they roll in front of the Tesla. Yeah, like just like exhaust as much diesel as possible. <laughs> yeah, but but those those type of people, as much as they're annoying to to everybody, ninety percent of what they believe is the same as what you and I believe, right? And, and to go to the opposite extreme, um, you know, the opposite extreme of that. I'm not saying opposite extreme of me or you or anything like that, but the opposite extreme of that with the 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 ultra ultra liberal i guess you know whatever that ends up being 
they what you can disagree with something that they do, but still 99% of what they believe in, you believe in as well. And so I guess maybe that's the the value or the, the intent of the podcast is just to kind of make those conversations normal and to help everybody understand that everybody, one, goes through a, a struggle. Everybody wants essentially the same thing. And hopefully we can all get there by by working together. So yeah, that's you're question? like bridging the gap. Yeah, you're bridging the gap. I'm, I'm trying to because I'll, I'll fully yeah. admit that I, I swing to the conservative side of the spectrum, right? Like I'm, but but at the same time, I don't. You know, conservative I, in Canada is different than conservative here. That's that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Um, and, but but that's the thing though is is uh, oh what's the concept? I'm trying to remember what it is. Trying to blank though. There's a there's a psychological effect that every that everybody undergoes, and they assume that everybody believes what they believe. Right? Are you talking about like the the Amos? Amos Fersky and Daniel Kahneman thing, kind of like the what you see is all there is. That's no, like I don't. Perception. Okay. No, um, it, no, it's um, I'm just trying to think of the theorem name, but I just finished a semester, <laughs> <laughs> and and like last last week, I spent uh, probably close to 35 hours writing a paper and traveling, so my my brain is pretty well shut off right now. But anyway, yeah, this is just, it's kind of a human bias to believe that you believe what I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the most part, that's actually true until you get into the extremes of things. But, but the social, social media and the media empire in general, I guess, thrives on those margins, those, those things that you're going to get fired up and fight about. That's where that's where social media makes its money because that's where the engagement is. Uh, <laughs> that, that's why whereas, people seem designed to make concrete videos and just. <laughs> yeah, did you follow David Wood, D.W. Wood uh, builds? Yeah, it was on, I just saw on I just saw on um, Instagram that he's at like ten thousand followers now, and and I started following him and he was like a hundred and twenty, and I'm pretty certain most of his is that whole dry pour concrete thing too. Oh but, yeah, no, yeah. I, I saw that too. <laughs> yeah, I do follow him. <laughs> yeah, and I have. I, I mean, good for him. Like, I, but but that's but that's the internet, you know. But whereas conversations like this, I'm sure that you have something that I disagree with, and I'm sure that I believe something that you disagree with. But we've had a good conversation, and I'm pretty certain that we probably believe mostly the same things. You know, I don't I think know. it's bad to waste. <laughs> yeah, you you probably don't believe that living in Canada is a good thing. And I oh, don't believe I, that living in Hawaii is a good thing. I think I think it's good for people that can handle the cold. I cannot handle the cold, so it's not good for me. But it's good for you. Like you seem to be fine, polar bear, polar bear status. You know. Well, tr- tr- truth be told, right now I am bloody well dying because it's. Uh, I'm sitting in my truck with the windows rolled up, and it's it's warm outside, so I'm sweating pretty good. So I've, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to wrap up our conversation here. But I appreciate. That, or I'm going to turn into like that that tragic child story, you know. Don't leave your child in the in the car during the summer. So sorry, sorry to do this. Then one more question: What's a good <laughs> book that you recommend? Because I just I, I always like to ask people that. A good book that I recommend. What type of book are you thinking? Like like just like a good book to read, or or for, something for that's provoking for your audience. For my audience, um, Punished by Rewards by Alfie Cohn. Okay, that's I've a good one. It's uh, 
based on this conversation, actually, you should read it. It's okay. a, it's about motivation, and it's actually good. It'd be good to, for parents of younger children. Your 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 kid is younger than mine, I believe, right? She's five. Okay, so yeah, this is a good time for you to read this book, actually. So, Punished by Rewards by Alfie Cohn. It's about motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, and how rewards and punishments are both detrimental to intrinsic motivation. And okay. and so, yeah, it's an excellent book. Um, another, another book that I would recommend everybody read would be The Nature Principle by Richard Louvre. Okay. I'm trying to think my, for that one. It's an excellent book. Um, I have a whole list of books, honestly. Oh, you should put it on uh, Patreon, like the list of book recommendations. That's a good idea, actually. Just my, my reading list of books. Yeah. Uh, and then we can talk about it on the, on the after show so that people will be curious about it. Good idea. I'll give, now we've given... <laughs> Now we've given some suggestions. Stay tuned for the rest of yeah. the suggestions afterwards. There we go. But uh, thank you for the I great have... lead-in. Thanks for the great conversation, Bryce. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. And uh, with that, I'm going to say bye. Why don't you tell people where to find you? And, I think uh, I'm Waffle Beaver. I think I'm the only Waffle Beaver on the social medias. I'm, why I'm Waffle I'm not Beaver? on TikTok. Okay, so wa- Waffles, because I like waffles and the waffle structure especially because it can be you can make it both flexible and rigid and i try to i'm trying to figure out a way to incorporate like some type of waffle structure uh structurally into something i do but i haven't figured it out yet um but beavers because i've always been fascinated by like the ingenuity of beavers like the way that they're able to um basically take down logs that like they can take down whole maple trees you know <laughs> like they're they're crazy and you know they'll they'll build dams and after that dam gets built they really are able to make a whole habitat for the animals around them the only thing it sucks for is people that have houses near the beaver dam <laughs> so you know, that's you <laughs> not other anymore that, but when i was growing up yeah <laughs> other than that no. though, beavers are are beneficial for most of the uh mammals and wildlife around them good explanation and with that <laughs> off to the after show all right thanks for having me I just want to say thank you to the founding members of the Workshop Therapy Patreon family. Eric of Overall MakerWorks, Keith Drennan of Blackthorn Concepts, Brad of Brad's Customs, Matthew Serio from Artiano Serio, and The Grant Alexander. If you want to join on Patreon to support the show or just say thank you, I'd appreciate it.